Vertical Condition Sports Podcast. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thank you for taking the time of the day to just be everything out. Happy holidays. We are so close to Christmas or, you know, whatever every other holiday you're celebrating. Regardless, again, happy holidays. I hope you're enjoying it. You know, it's a good time of year because, you know, it's the right time to really spend time with your family and really enjoy it. I hope everyone's uh, doing that out right now. And, you know, I hope everyone's staying safe. Real quick, before we get started, we have a fantastic episode going for you today. I have a former UFC fighter, Tyler Diamond, joining me on the show today. Real quick, just before we get started, I want to go ahead and just give you my daily plug-in. Go ahead and follow Critical Condition Sports on Instagram at Critical Condition Sports and on Twitter at Condition Talk. If you feel like you want to get that extra sports content, I release weekly videos on YouTube where you can go on YouTube and type Critical Condition Sports. We are currently at 112 subscribers. I want to thank everyone for that support that I'm getting right now. It's very appreciated. And if you can, please like, share, and subscribe. It'll help the show. Next week, I'm actually going to be rolling out on Monday a different kind of video, and it's on who I believe will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next head coach. Spoiler alert, it's not Bruce Arians. So, real quick though, if you do want to listen to that, you can go ahead and go on YouTube. It'll be available this upcoming Monday. Again, go on YouTube and go with Critical Condition Sports. And again, please like, share, and subscribe. It'll help the show. So real quick, before I get into my guest for today, uh, it's former UFC fighter Tyler Diamond, and he actually competed in the 27th edition of The Ultimate Fighter. For my audience that doesn't know what The Ultimate Fighter is, it's pretty much a a competition. It's a reality uh, TV show competition where they stick a certain number of fighters, and they are coached by two different coaches. They split them up into two different teams, and uh, they fight uh, fight each other, and it's pretty much elimination style, last man standing wins. Uh, what they do throughout the course of the show is that, you know, these guys are, at the end of it, they're pretty much forced to face each other towards the end. They get the final two, and obviously this is all pre-recorded, but the finale does take place, I believe, the week after that finale. So, uh, you know, you get to see the journey, and obviously while this is airing, these uh, fighters or the finalists are already training for it. It's a real interesting concept, though, because of the fact that these guys are not only living with the people that they are fighting but it's also you know there's no connection to the outside world there's no music no newspaper no books you know all you're doing is training eat sleep and fighting you know really that that's all that lifestyle is and for some people you know it may not seem that hard but it trust me you know i've never lived through it but from talking you know to like guys like joe Eddie and like tyler um, you know, it's harder than what it looks. Uh, a lot of people can handle it well. And, you know, it's real interesting uh, to see, you know, Tyler's take on it, which we'll actually definitely be talking about. Uh, for Tyler, you know, Tyler made it to the final four of the featherweight competition. Unfortunately, he didn't make it all the way to the finale. But regardless, you know, he took place in one of the best fights that's, you know, ever been heralded in the Ultimate Fighter. And, you know, for that, he should obviously have his head up. I'm sure he wishes things could have gone a different way. But, you know, the guy's all business. Uh, He's got nothing but a heart. Uh, Phenomenal guy. I can't say enough great things about Tyler. I enjoyed this interview so much, and I hope everyone likes it as well. Before we get to that interview, I just want to go ahead and just bring up a good point, though. I haven't talked about NFL football in a while on this. And just because I've had so many great guests and so many great conversations, I just want to try to keep it short for everybody. But I haven't offered anyone, uh, I guess, some good insights or some good sports takes uh, on here on the pod in a while. So I'm going to go ahead and make a specific point. I did say that on Monday I'm rolling out who, you know, the next head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is. And I did say it's not Bruce Arians. So might get a lot of flack on that, but when you truly look at it, I don't think it's so much of a stretch to say that Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, the relationship seems to be rocky. You know, I want to go ahead and put this in perspective with people. If you're out to party and you see a couple fight and they don't hide it, imagine what's going on behind closed doors. Just imagine that. Obviously, it's not the recipe for the most healthiest relationship. Throughout the season, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yes, I understand they're eight and five. But the times that they've lost, you know, they've lost to some good teams. Chicago may not be one of them, but they lost to the Rams. They got blown out twice by the Saints. And the problem with all this is that Bruce Arians hasn't stuck him behind his quarterback. He's been the first one to throw Tom Brady under the bus. And the problem here is that I don't think Bruce truly understands the fact that this relationship has got to work both ways. And, you know, Tom's taking it like a champ. It's like the mature veteran that he is. They don't call him the greatest of all time for nothing. But it's very concerning when you think of the fact that, you know, if you look at Tampa, don't really have a great identity. Sure, they might be top five in offense. And, you know, their defense is, you know, out slightly outside of the top 10. But where's the identity? Leonard Fournette, who I thought was a great signing for this team, you know, where, where is he? Healthy scratch, you know, last week. Under 300 yards rushing. And the deep balls. Tom Brady's on pace to at least tie, at least tie, not tie, just, you know, throw higher and more interceptions than he ever has in his career. And that's concerning in itself because obviously there's something that's not clicking with these two. But Joe, they're eight and five. They've only beaten two teams with a winning record, the Packers and the Raiders who had their whole offensive line shelled because of COVID. You know, the thing that is interesting to me is the fact that I don't think Bruce truly understands that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization is behind Tom Brady. They weren't relevant before Tom Brady, minus that one Super Bowl year. They're not going to be relevant after Tom Brady. So they understand, and Tampa Bay management, I know, understands that. This is it. Like, it's Super Bowl or bust. I don't see them winning the Super Bowl this year. And the the bigger question mark is going to be what happens next year. I mean, Tom Brady, it's not like you have Tom Brady when he's 35 years old. This is a quarterback that's going to be, that's, you know, 42 years old. You know, doesn't have much more time. You know, he's over his 40s. And the real question is, how much longer does he have? How much longer can he, can he sustain the ability, you know? Still not a bad season for Tom Brady. 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. But it's really interesting when you think of the fact that I don't think it's the worst-kept secret when you realize that Tampa Bay is catering to Tom Brady. It's a Tom Brady show. Bruce Arians, in my opinion, is... what? What's the best way, way to put it? He's not irreplaceable. He's actually a very easy guy to replace. He's not pardoned from any kind of crash that happens or if, you know, the Tampa Bay season ends like that. He's not going to be excused from that. The only one that's safe is Tom Brady, which means that Arias is going to be the odd man out. What can he do, right? I don't think that, uh, you know, firing the offensive coordinator is going to be the answer here. I think it's going to come down to if Tampa Bay does not get to at least an NFC Championship game, I think you can definitely expect Bruce Arians' name to be called out on Black Monday, which is, you know, the day after. Well, not even Black Monday, I'm sorry, because that, you know, it's the regular season at the end of the regular season. But pretty soon you could see that they're going to part ways if this team doesn't make it to an NFC Championship game. That's my take. Obviously, I already have the perfect head coaching candidate for this job. But if you want to listen to that and you want to get to know who that is, it's actually going to be available this Monday on my YouTube channel, Critical Condition Sports. You'll find the link in the description of this video below. So that is my football take for this week's episode. My next guest, he is a professional MMA fighter with a record of 11 wins with one loss. He is a former competitor on the Ultimate Fighter Season 27, and he is the owner of Diamond Dash Meal Prep. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Tyler Diamond. How you doing, Tyler? Good. How are you, man? Thank you for having me on. I'm doing great, man. Uh, very excited that uh, we're able to get you on the show and do this, man. Real exciting. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. No, I'll always make time, especially for, uh, for guys like you. So thank you. I hey, appreciate it, man. So, um, crazy year, 2020. How's your uh, year been, uh, Tyler? You know, we're towards the end it's December. Yeah. Uh, my year has been fine. I mean, so I signed with PFL back in, uh, like February, March, and then 
was expecting to fight in May and then, you know, all this craziness happened. So, uh, you know, I, I took the approach of, I just need to control the things I control and not worry about the things I can't change. So I couldn't change the fact that I wasn't going to be fighting this year. So I just dove full steam ahead with my business and said, this is a good opportunity to really dive into my business and grow it as much as I can. And that's what I did. And then I needed to put the pieces in place for it to keep going and sustain itself when I am busy with, with fight camp that I'm, I'm approaching here shortly. Awesome, man. And so now you're the owner of Diamond Dash Meal Prep, correct? Correct. correct. And so yes. what does Diamond Dash Meal Prep uh, do pretty much uh, for the audience? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of meal prep companies uh, are, they have a specific audience, which is either, you know, athletes or fitness competitors or et cetera. We try to encompass all that. And, and our whole motto is like, there's not a one size fits all thing for dieting. I think that you just need to eat balanced macronutrients if you want to lose weight eat a little bit less calories you want to uh build muscle have a slightly higher uh caloric intake than your baseline i mean it's pretty simple so we uh we have a lot of clients we have customers ranging from elderly that just don't really enjoy cooking to people that have really busy schedules to people that actually do compete and uh we're very uh well versed in terms of uh, we offer plenty of options to where people can modify things and specifically order uh, things that fit and suit their needs. Now, uh, I know you're out in uh, California. So what uh, area is uh, this service for? Um, so I'm in Butte County. And yeah, we've started really small in terms of our backyard here. I mean, in the county, I would guess that there's at least 250,000 people. So that's a, that's a lot of people to serve. And uh, so we're, we started small. We were just folks in our backyard. And here shortly in the near future, um, we want to start, start mailing our products, which uh, there's a lot of logistics to do with that. But um, we're currently in the process of that, and we're really excited to start doing that as well. Awesome, brother. So now uh, on the MMA side of things, you're 11-1, correct? Correct. So you're on a two-fight win, uh, two win streak. Uh, you've you know, finished off your last fight in under a minute with a submission. It was uh, fantastic. So you're on a roll right now. You're currently signed with PFL. What's your goal going into that company now? Oh, I'm going to uh, win that million dollars. I'm going uh, to go in and make noise. No one's going to expect me to uh, go in there and win it. Uh, you still got Lance Palmer, an old teammate of mine, who's a freaking stud, who's yeah. going to be favored to win it. And then you got newcomers like Bubba Jenkins and uh, that Brandon Lofnane guy that a lot of people are really high on. Um, they got a lot of buzz coming in, I'm sure. But uh, I'm going to be the bracket buster and go in there and, and win the mill. Now, uh, Brandon's a former uh, tough alum, correct? I'm not sure. I th- I think so. I think I, from a long time ago. Yeah, from a, this was a while back. But you were, uh, you know, it's been a few years since you've been on the Ultimate Fighter yourself. Uh, what was that experience like? Mm-hmm. Man, it was an awesome experience. Uh, it was cool. It was challenging, but it was also not the most challenging thing I've ever done. I mean, wrestling by far is a lot tougher than doing that experience. But it was great, and I was grateful for the opportunity. The most importantly, you know, up at that point, I was nine and oh, I was just rattling off fights against really tough guys. And uh, I was just like, man, I just want an opportunity. And when that opportunity came, I was so happy and, and fortunate about it. Now, uh, you were you were uh, you were able to be able to team up with some uh, really great group of guys, Luis Pena, Joe Gianetti, who's been on the show before. Uh, did you uh, make any uh, good relationships out of that process or was it really just all business? Because uh, obviously not everybody sees what's going on through the whole process. Yeah. I mean, I made great relationships with all the guys. I, I liked all the guys. I think for the most part, they all liked me too. But yeah, during those six weeks, it was like all business for me. Like if you watch the show, that's yeah. probably the sense that you got for me too, is I was there for one thing and one thing only. And that was my whole mindset. Um, but but yeah, in the process, uh, I care about all those guys. I think they're all great guys, and I wish nothing but the best for each and every one of them. 
Nice. Now, was there a sense of awkwardness, uh, Tyler, in that when you're looking at the fact that you're living with people that you can potentially fight with, even, you know, the guys that were in the opposite team from you, you knew you were going to fight one of them. Was there a sense of awkwardness for you as a fighter? Definitely. The whole, every decision you do is like strategic, you know, even from trying to get on the first day, getting your room. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to share a room with certain people, you know, <laughs> okay. um, Brad Katona specifically, like I thought that Brad and I were going to end up fighting. I'm like, I don't want to share a room with Brad. Yeah. So I end up sharing a room with Bryce and I'm like, well, shit, this ain't much better. I'm going to probably have to end up fighting Bryce too. And lo and behold, I did, but it just wasn't in the house. It was at a different time, but yeah, yeah like it, it's super awkward, you know, waking up on fight day and it's like, good morning. Uh, See you in a little bit, you know, it's just uh, definitely a different experience. Now, for you as a fighter, uh, Tyler, you normally have different uh, break periods between fights. So what was the mentality of rattling off, you know, three fights or however many fights uh, you could potentially have during such a short time? Was there, again, another, uh, another way of strategizing a different kind of mind process or mental process? Because I've seen, uh, when I saw you on the show, you kept it together. You're real calm, collective, all business for you. Uh, was there a specific kind of yeah. uh, mentality you had to have before having like, you know, potentially all those fights in a row for you? Was it nerve wracking? Yeah, it, it's very nerve wracking, but you kind of have that. You kind of got to have that. I don't give a fuck attitude. What happens type of deal. And what the show didn't show was that I was the only guy that fought twice in six days. Everyone else had like a two three, even four week break in between fights, which was huge for me. It was like, I fought cut weight and then had to get right back to it, which um, you might think is kind of an advantage too, but man, at the same time, I, I, uh, I'm not the biggest 45er, but I'm th not the smallest either. And making that weight twice in that amount of time, even though I did it correctly was still a little tough. Um, but, uh, yeah. So going, uh, so in the, in the tournament, again, you forge good, great relationships on there. Now, when you're fighting though, against uh, these people, is there a sense of you got to maybe hold back because you still got to keep yourself like injury free for the next fight? Yes. Or is it just, I'm going to just think of this fight right now and fuck it. I gotta, I gotta beat this guy in that it. period. no matter what the cost is. It's a mix of both of those because, yeah, you don't want to go in cautious like, oh, I got I to gotta be healthy for my next fight. But at the same time, you can't be so reckless where, you know, it's a balance of the both. And for me especially because I knew I was going to be fighting twice in six days, that's why when I fought Dulongi, it was just like, okay, let's take this guy down, take zero damage on the feet, and just bust him up, end up submitting him or whatever. So against Dulani, really the only damage I took was my elbows were super swollen from elbowing them in the dome. Yeah. And then uh, my knees had super bad, like, canvas rash, uh, which is just superficial, right? But Of course. Um, so that was great. It was, like, uh, mission accomplished there because that was the biggest thing is, like, dang it. Because, because I did get picked first for DC, we didn't really control any of the fights. So it was, like – gosh, I just need to get in there and beat this guy up and take no damage because uh, my next fight's going to be really tough. Nice. Now, uh, you talk about uh, your, your fight uh, with Dulani. Was there any uh, real, uh, I guess, beef in there? I don't know if you're comfortable with me asking that question. But was there like, because I saw, I, I saw the episode. I actually saw that episode today. Uh, you know, I could tell like he tried to get into your head a little bit. Was there any like real beef going into that? Yeah, he tried, but he couldn't get in my head at all and it bothered no. him. Uh, I mean, there was a little bit, like I was, a, I was a little bit annoyed at the time with him, you know, okay. but he knew, he knew, I knew, like everyone knew what was going to happen, you know? <laughs> so he knew. Awesome. So, uh, to round off like the MMA uh, stuff, oh, why MMA Tyler? Why did you decide to get into fighting? Well, it's just, it seemed like the next logical transition from wrestling for me, you know, um, in high school, it kind of just organically happened by mistake. I just just so happened to have guys that wrestled the same high school as me a few years before that got into the training and wanted me to train with them. And 
so I really enjoyed learning how to box and do jujitsu and it just kind of all organically happened for me it wasn't like uh it wasn't like I watched it on tv and was like oh I I want to do that it was like I'd like to that'd be cool you know and so I did and it just one thing led to another for me did you have a favorite fighter before you got into MMA though Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say Faber, you know, cause he was, he was close by. And then when I graduated high school, I actually started training with him and then, uh, and yeah, and he was just, he was the man not back in the day, but especially in our area because Sacramento is just right down the road, you know, it's yeah, just an sure. hour away. So everyone was just crazy about Faber and, uh, I was too. He was the man. He beat everyone up, you know, and I, I just loved his style of like, yeah being nice and loose and relaxed in there and having fun with it and his positive energy. And, uh, I, I took away a lot from him and then, um, as well as GSP GSP was, and still is one of my fighters, favorite fighters to date. Like I tell anyone, if you want to know my, my outlook on fighting or how I approach it or anything like that, watch any GSP interview, whatever he says, like, I agree a hundred percent, like me and him are on the same exact path when it comes to fighting and the mindset and, how it feels and this and that. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's real hard to really like be able to dictate. I think it is for any uh, fight fan to dictate like who truly is the goat. But I think GSP to me, you know, GSP Anderson Silva, those are two guys that, you know, rightfully should be in the conversation. I think uh, GSP is, you know, such a very mature individual. And I really, I've always been a fan of how he's handled himself, you know, real mature. And you know, when you were on the show, that's the vibe I got. You know, this guy's all business. He's not here to be, you know, a TV star. He's here to take care of his business. So that that's always a good thing. You're right, yep. Faber. Are you still uh, training over there at Team Alpha Male? Yeah, I'm. I'm still on the team. I haven't been down there in a couple of weeks. To be honest, I'm. I'm up here, been dealing with the business. My wife's getting ready to have a baby like any day. Congratulations! And, uh, I've got a local gym here. I can train at. Thanks, man. It's awesome. Uh, so I've just been focused on the business. I got you. The holidays, train with local guys, and then uh, when it's time, I'll make the transition down there because yeah. ultimately, if I want to be successful, that's where I need to be. There's nowhere else I can be and be successful. Absolutely. And a real quick question uh, from you know one of my friends, Alan Dennis, real pumped that uh, I told him I was going to actually interview you. How was uh, Dana White like? Uh, how oh, yeah. was the experience of that? So surprisingly, I talked to producers because I'm like, what the hell? I thought we would talk to Dana way more. And uh, the producer, Gary, kind of mentioned that as the seasons have gone on, Dana has taken less and less and less of a role. He shows up for the filming, basically, and that's really it. We, we had minimal time to talk oh, to Dana. I think on, the, on day one of filming when he did the intros, we all kind of got to talk to him like a tiny bit. But uh, it wasn't much, surprisingly. Like in past season, you can watch where he goes to the house and, you know, he talks to the guys and this, that. I think he had a lot more interaction yeah. back in the early days of the tough than he does now. Oh, wow. Unfortunately. Unfor unfortunately. So uh, shifting to this uh, yeah. real quick before uh, we go into the next topic, I just want to remind everybody that you're listening to the Critical Condition Sports Podcast. We're available on Apple Pod, Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, wherever else you get your podcast from. I'm being joined today by professional mixed martial artist Tyler Diamond, who is the owner of Diamond Dash Meal Prep. So shifting on to the next uh, topic, uh, Tyler, let's talk some sports. So um, NFL. Steelers fan, you've told me, uh, you know, they're 11 and yes. two. How are you feeling? Uh, I, I'm never sold, even though they're my team, I'm never sold on them. You know, I think there's, I think there's a lot more solid teams out there. Um, I'm not like the biggest fan in the world in terms of like, I watch every Sunday because we do cook on Sundays, yeah. but uh, I do get the Twitter updates on my phone and uh, I try and follow along as much as I can. And, Gosh dang, they lost to Washington, which was I thought was terrible, even though they're somewhat solid. And then they just now lost again to the Bills, who uh, who I think can make some serious noise, by the way. But uh, I'm just never sold. I feel like they've let me down so much. I'm never completely sold on them. Yeah, um, you know, one of my good friends, uh, she's a Steelers fan, and she can relate to your pain. Uh, you know, it's – it always seems like a, you know, it's weird. It's weird because, you know, they lose, they lose Big Ben last season 
And, you know, they seem to have the succession plan at quarterback. Mason Rudolph was taken in the third round. I lived in Oklahoma. I'm from Texas, uh, but I lived in Oklahoma. I got to see Mason Rudolph's uh, tenure there in Oklahoma State. It really wasn't very Mm -hmm. impressive. So the fact that they invested such a high pick on him was a little cause for pause for me. Obviously, if anyone, it doesn't, it's not a secret that uh, last season, I mean, it's not the guy. He's not the guy, obviously, to succeed a big fan. Correct. Now, my biggest issue, I was watching that game last night. I told myself, man, like, they look old and sluggish. You know, back in the day, you know, Big Ben mm-hmm. was able to move around the pocket and be able to move out. And he was a lot faster, obviously. Obviously, age just caught up to him. But I think my biggest concern with the Steelers is their succession plan at quarterback, you know? You can't go with with Big Correct. Ben uh, going into next season without having a good insurance policy. I've talked about on the show where I think that Cam Newton may be a guy uh, to go to Pittsburgh after his tenure with the Pats is over. What do you think? Uh, do, are you really are you concerned at the quarterback position? Position? Yeah, I've I've wondered what the hell they're going to do. It seems like it seems like they'll address it when it becomes a problem. Almost like I don't know if they're planning. I mean, I hope they are, but I don't know. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Cam Newton. I feel like his inconsistently inconsistency is a killer. Oh, but sure. uh, as far as them them seeming sluggish, uh, the only thing I can think in their defense in terms of that is I think they did play two games in like nine days or something like that. They, which in the NFL, yeah, must be super hard. Yeah, so, obviously. I don't know. I I'm like I said, I'm I'm not sold. I hope the best for them. I want them to do well. I root for them, but. We'll see. I'm not giving my hopes up. Now, I'd say obviously, like I feel like you are correct when it comes to that scheduling change. But, you know, with I guess also another big thing going on is COVID and stuff like that. And, you know, their game got, you know, pushed back was it like two to three times. So obviously that comes. Yeah. It's caused to pause and it makes some nerves in there. How do you as an athlete, now, as an athlete uh, Tyler, if you had if you were playing in such such a short period of time, how big do you think it is that your game is, re- is rescheduled? Like, how, how do you think you would feel if your game was rescheduled and you had to basically prepare for a different time of showtime throughout a week? Is, do you think that's something that could really upset your rhythm? Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's just take it back to tough. You know, I had yeah. – it was like I thought I was going to be fighting and then fighting again in two weeks, and all of a sudden a switcheroo happened. Yeah. weirdness happened and it's like oh you're fighting twice in six days now it's just like oh shoot and then with that close of a gap in yeah. a physical sport it's gotta it's gotta play some type of role you know I mean you got guys that were probably beat up and still sore from Washington the Washington game you know for sure since they've had a really tight schedule they haven't had, they haven't had a bye like a lot of other teams so I think these last two weeks we're starting to see the wear and tear on the team personally now, how confident are you in that Pittsburgh can at least make it to an AFC championship game? I don't think so right now. I'm really having my doubts. I think Kansas City is going to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC side regardless. But can the Steelers even make it to the final two, Tyler? I'd like to think so, but um, but no. Something in my guts tell me that no, they're not going to make the AFC championship. I personally – Am am high on the Chiefs and the Bills right now? Those two. Bills. Uh, do you have any any take on what the Tennessee Titans are doing right now, though? Because Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. He's tearing the league up. That that guy is just insane. More than two hundred yards rushing this past weekend. I mean, do you do you give Tennessee a shot to get in there? Because right now, I feel like you know Tennessee and Pittsburgh are identical teams. The problem with Pittsburgh is they're struggling to run the football, and Tennessee is just smashing everyone obviously with the running game and you know, Pittsburgh ended up beating them. Do you think uh, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh can at least handle Tennessee in your opinion? I, I'd be concerned about a rematch at this point, how both teams are looking right now. I'd be concerned with that rematch. Now. So ASC, you have Kansas city going to the Super Bowl. Yes or no. Kansas city or the bills. Yeah. Kansas city or the bills, but man, I'm just not sold on Buffalo though. I don't know. I mean, I think that franchise has been, you know, terrible for so long. You know, it's been since uh, 95 since they last, you know, won a division title yep. and they're up two games. So 
it might be the it might be the optimist in me and me wanting them to do good because even though they beat the Steelers and that sucks, I actually do want Buffalo to do good. They've sucked for so long, you know. It's crazy because uh, that quarterback there, Josh Allen, is on fire, and a lot of people had compared him to Big Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Do you see any any true comparison between the two? Yeah, the little bit that I've watched him play, I I think that's a very valid comparison. I mean, he's definitely closer to Ben than any other quarterback in the league. Uh, to my knowledge, I mean, they seem very similar. I love Big Ben. He's been awesome. I wish we could have him for another five years, you know. I, uh, yeah, I like Josh Allen. In fact, when I was at NDSU for college, our football coach we had there went to Wyoming. Yeah. So I actually watched a little bit of Wyoming football, and I feel like when I watched Josh Allen in college, I was like, man, I think he's going to translate really well. I've also said that about other quarterbacks that didn't pan out but you know josh allen's doing good well if you would have taken some money at that time you would have won a lot of money tyler because uh josh allen was yeah. actually labeled as a the most likely to be a bust in the nfl man did people get it wrong there really yeah it's insane but wow. you know i whenever i watched him i whenever i watched him i was i was impressed i was like i, I think he'll do pretty good well, the, the biggest he thing, again, he does. And the biggest thing for him is coaching. Coaching makes such a huge difference. Do you agree or disagree with that? Oh, absolutely. I, there's been so many, probably some of the best players we've never heard of. We haven't heard of them because they either didn't get their opportunity or they went to the wrong team. And just, there is sometimes there's things beyond our control that, uh, that alter the course of our life. And, yeah, I guarantee you there's been so many great players that we will never know about because either lack of opportunity or the stars just didn't align for them at that time, you know? I mean, think about all the great players that, you know, were undrafted or were on the practice squad or whatever, and then now you're hearing about them and the success story behind them. There's other success stories out there like that. It's just there's only so much room for so many people to make, make their way and, and make their name, you know? So you talk about GSP and how he carried himself and, you know, how you really liked his style. Was there a specific uh, NFL football player that uh, you really enjoyed watching or that's your favorite? Sorry, I lost you. Someone was calling me. Can you say that again? Yeah. So we talked about – you talked about how, like, you know, you really liked uh, GSP as a fighter. Was Is there a specific NFL yes. player you really like? Yeah, who's that? Uh, yeah, I like Jerome Bettis. I mean, obviously he was on the Steelers. The bus. I loved his running style. Like I love, yes, and I just love his personality too. Like again, kind of like favor, just nothing but positivity. And uh, those are the type of people I like being around. That's awesome. Uh, were, did you uh, were you able to watch uh, the Super Bowl in in which uh, the Seattle Seahawks got just tromped by the Steelers? Yep. Yes, that was. I mean, that was the the first uh, Steelers Super Bowl of my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, I think I was in high school. I believe I was super pumped, and then um, then they beat the Cardinals, and then they lost to Green Bay. Uh, but yeah, so I I've actually been super lucky. They've gone to three Super Bowls in my lifetime, which is crazy, considering I never had that high of hopes, and I feel like they always let me down. It's kind of oxymoronic that I'm saying that, I guess. Well, I'm from Texas, and I have a lot of Cowboy fans that are friends. And, you know, they, they haven't tasted, Oof. you know, Super Bowl championships since 95. So, I mean, it could always be worse. I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan, if you haven't noticed through the background. Uh, the people that are listening through the audio can't see it. But I'm a huge Pats fan. I've been very blessed to, to see nine Super Bowl trips. So, it's awesome. But I, yeah, I, I get that's what you're insane. saying. Now, it was such a nice yeah. story, though, for Jerome Bettis to be able to retire on the podium when, you know, when he won that championship. I think that – as much of a fairy tale ending as there is, I think that's the best one when it comes to sports, in my opinion, when it comes to yes. the NFL. It is, which is also one why, you know, not only is that because he's one of my favorite football players, but gosh, you can't ask for a better ending. Like everyone would want an ending how Jerome went out and uh, it makes me super happy for him. Yeah. Especially because actually leading up like, so they played in the Super Bowl that, that season. They're playing against the Colts. They ran through the teams that beat them in the regular season. So I remember watch, uh, seeing that and watching Jerome Bettis fumble against Indianapolis, and it looked like Peyton Manning was driving to beat him. And I felt bad, and I said, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Like, is this really going to be, like, the last play of his career? 
and uh, when you watch a documentary yep. about it, you know, he's telling himself like, damn, like, is this really it? Like, is this how it ends through a fumble? Obviously, you know, Mike Vanderjack yep. missed the field goal. So did you were you able to catch that game? Yes, I was. And uh, yeah, it's just that was fate. It was it was meant to be that he fumbled and they almost lost, but they won. And then they go to Super Bowl and he wins and it's in Detroit. It's just it was all meant to be. Yeah, it's such a phenomenal story. Now, uh, talk about the AF, the NFC side of things. Uh, who are your top two mm-hmm. teams in the NFC right now? Because the Packers have overtaken the Saints for first place. Um, they look good. Very explosive offense. Um, you know, who are your teams to go to the NFC Championship game? Uh, the two teams you just mentioned, Saints and Packers. Saints and Packers. You're not, you don't have any doubts on New Orleans right now. Drew Brees is hurt. Taysom Hill. It's cute, you know, he can run the ball and everything like that, but I feel like there's certain limitations. And obviously if Breeze is held out, I don't really like their chances with that kind of with that kind of a quarterback. Breeze is getting getting older. Totally. And there's been some issues. Now the heartbreak that New Orleans has gotten the last three years is insane. You're not you're still gonna take the Saints to go into the NFC title game over teams like the Rams, the Seattle Seahawks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I'm not sold on the Rams or the Seahawks. Uh, the Buccaneers would be my my bracket-busting type of team. But uh, I still don't know if the Buccaneers can get past the Saints. Like, I watched that game, and it was just embarrassing. Like, I I just don't know. I think the Saints got the Buccaneers' number, and, and that's, why, that's why I'm still high on the Saints. Yeah, it's very concerning, uh, you know, especially after the very first uh, matchup that they had. You know, the Saints were blowing them out and, you know, doing whatever they wanted to. It was Brady's first game as a buck, and you'd see all these memes of him just staring into oblivion and just saying, I think I made a terrible yeah. mistake. I mean, the internet the internet, yep. the internet, has no mercy, man. That's one thing I've seen. Um, no. <laughs> definitely not. But, you know, the Bucks are very – it's a no, very there's been matchup. some – there's been – yeah, there's been some Reddit freaking straight nerds that try and roast me. Yeah. It's uh the internet is a cold place. On on Reddit trying to roast you? That's insane. Oh dude, I've been on Reddit on a couple different occasions. Uh yeah. Just uh just people that live on Reddit all day. They have nothing better to do. Yeah, that, that that's insane. I think some people have uh way too much uh time on their hands. That's for sure. Now, yeah. now in the so in the NFC, I actually I'm actually starting to really be high on the Rams. I had a former WWE wrestler TJ Perkins on the show. Uh, he's um, in LA, and he's he's got a real belief that the Rams could really do some damage in the playoffs. I think so. When I look at Seattle, such a phenomenal quarterback in Russell Wilson. I like how he handles himself and mm-hmm. just the maturity that he has at the position. Yes. Uh, Goff solid too. Very mature individual. And, you know, I admire that from these players right now. Do you think Seattle or the Rams can uh, potentially take one of those spots, you know, from the Packers or the Saints? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I feel like the Seahawks been semi inconsistent. And then I feel like the Rams have like turned it on late. I just watched the Rams, I think, on Thursday. I think it was Sunday, actually. No, yeah. they, uh, they played they against the really Patriots good. Thursday. That's right. That's what I was watching. Yeah, and they looked really good. Um, they blew them out. Yeah, they, they got to be up in there, right? I mean, they they there's no reason it can't there's no reason why it couldn't be any four of those teams to me. Yeah, the Rams at the Rams are at uh, third right now. They're so they're leading their division right now. Seattle's at five. Mm-hmm. You know, the first up in the wild card. It's a very interesting uh, playoff picture. I think you know. Green Bay, New Orleans would have to be up there. But I think my, my pick to make it to the Super Bowl is going to be Seattle. I think that they're a good football team behind Russell Wilson. They'll go as far as he takes them. And it is a little bit concerning, but the defense has really gotten a little bit better with some key additions late in the season. So I, I like them. Um, do you have anything to comment on the, the worst division in football? Not just the NFC, but you know the NFC East the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants, watching the football team. It looks like a train wreck out there. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. I had high expectations for the Eagles and the Cowboys, but I think I always do. 
and they always disappoint me as well. Um, my brother-in-law is a huge Cowboys fan. Oh my god! So everywhere. I love giving him crap. <laughs> I love giving him crap, but at the same time, I feel bad because he it actually does ruin his day. So legit, I can always count on every Sunday being ruined for him. And uh, as much as I laugh, I kind of feel bad at the same time. Oh my! Uh, I have a a good buddy of mine, Edgar, is always very disappointed. Shout out to him. Um, Dak Prescott has been a <laughs> big. <laughs> yeah. Dak Prescott's been a such a big uh, national topic when it comes to the NFL and football, and if they're going to pay him or not. Uh, can you offer me a take on uh, Dak Prescott? Do you think he should? Uh, is do you think it's a smart decision? Because I, I hate to say. Should he get paid? Because, you know, realistically, we all want to get paid. You know, you don't want to wish someone not to get paid. But yeah. do you think realistically it would be a smart football decision for the Cowboys to give him 38 to $40 million to a quarterback that has seemed to struggle, Tyler, against good football teams? Do you think it would be a smart football move? I don't know. What's the, what's the backup option? I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, uh, it hasn't looked call. really good. It hasn't looked very good. Uh, Andy Dalton uh, was their uh, backup quarterback. The thing is, though, so they keep losing. They won this past weekend, but if they keep losing, they're going to get a top five pick in the NFL draft. And there's some good quarterbacks coming out of college uh, this season. I've uh, told friends of mine and uh, viewers of the show that I would personally just trade them or move off them and draft a young quarterback mm. who is going to be on a cheap contract because when you draft a quarterback in the first round, their contract—it's a—it's a very limited uh, contract when it comes to the kind of money that they give you because there's caps on it. So he's going to be on a cheap contract, mm -hmm. and a lot of people have uh, you know throw in a lot of—I'm not going to say hate—but I've gotten a lot of pushback on that take. I feel like it'd be a smarter football move. Yeah, I don't know. My gut tells me to keep that. I, okay. I like Dak. I think he's got a lot of promise, but man, I don't know. I because then do you get stuck in a Carson Wentz situation where the Eagles are in? I mean, oh, it's terrible. Uh, I don't know. I'm glad. I'm glad I don't make those decisions personally. Yeah, they're they're definitely tough. You talk. You bring up Carson Wentz. Um, you know, as an athlete, and you can put this in perspective for me because you've been around. You know, different many different athletes. Is there such thing as the Gibbs, yeah. Tyler? Because that's what looks. That's what if people when people describe something going Carson Wentz going through some of the things that he's going through, they call it like the yips. Is there such a thing, Tyler? Yeah, I'm not familiar with that term to be honest. But so okay. I, I went to North Dakota State at the same okay. time Carson did, or Carson went there at the same time as I did because I'm actually older than him. Okay. And uh, I think he's a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal quarterback. I think what's going on right now. Is he stuck in a mental rut? Yeah. Uh, he was getting sacked a ton, and I think it caused him to – I think that him getting sacked a ton caused him to uh, almost panic, get in a mental struggle, and he holds on to the ball too long. And there's just a, there's a lot of problems going on there this season for him, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, like, the yips would pretty much be what you summarized right there. It's like an all-mental thing for uh, the quarterback. Now, I agree with you. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's got a lot of tools. And when I watch Carson and seeing some of the things that he's had to put up with in Philadelphia, as far as the football team with injuries, that offensive mm -hmm. line just being atrocious, I, I still believe that there's so much talent there. And, you know, here in Texas, we have that debate, you know, Dak or Carson Wentz. Uh, I always, so even to this day, even though Jalen Hurts just went in and won a game when, you know, they were in a rut with, with Carson. I still tell people, I'll take Carson over Dak just because there's much more talent. I feel like Dak wouldn't be the name that he's become if he were in mm. Philadelphia having to put up with some of the things that Carson's been able to put up with. You know, so I, yeah. I do agree with her. Now, is there a mental thing going on, do you think, though, when you have your backup quarterback win a Super Bowl championship for the team you're quarterbacking, though? Do you think maybe that whole Nick Foles effect has something to do with it as well? Yeah, certainly, you know. Um, I will say the one thing that's that's great about Carson is uh, he's not the type of guy who should be, like, vindictive or or uh, angry. Like, I think he's going to support Jalen, and I think that shows a lot of character on his end. 
I think so too. Now, I don't think that Jalen is the right move moving forward. I think that you invested a lot in Carson. I feel like Carson still is the future of this team because I believe that, you know, again, between him and Dak, he's obviously the better quarterback. You know, I look at that and I say, man, this guy's so talented. Now, I've heard some buzz, though, saying that they could potentially trade him to the Colts. And I think that'd be a great move for Carson. I don't know how much of a great move it'll be for Philly. But do you think Carson Wentz gets traded if he had to put money on it? Well, I don't know what their money situation like. I because I'm pretty sure even if they trade them, they gotta pay him a bunch of money. Yeah, it's uh, I believe thirty four point so, eight million dollars. Yeah. So, with that being said, man, maybe I mean, so if Jalen ends up being like the guy to them, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him. And uh, in all honesty, I think that might be the best move at this point. I think that Carson needs a new look. I think he needs new coaching, and he definitely needs a new line. For sure. And. Uh, you, you could see a total resurgence of his career after that. A lot of guys, you know, they'll get stuck in a rut somewhere. They get shipped off somewhere else, and all of a sudden they're the man again. So, who knows? Maybe that could end up being what, what happens. Yeah, I think, like, going to the Colts, for example, uh, the head coach there was the Eagles offensive coordinator for Carson Wentz while he was in the middle of that MVP season that he had. Uh, to me, he would have been the MVP had he not gotten hurt. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, Carson is such a great talent that I feel like – it'd be very foolish. If you think, if you're an Eagles fan and you think that Jalen Hurts is the answer, no disrespect to the guy, you know, great attitude, great leader, but there's a lot of limitations. You know, Tyler, I've always believed that if your main game as a quarterback is running, I feel like there's going to be very limited success when it comes to the NFL. You can win games. You can win a game. You can win multiple games. You can win a playoff game. We saw Tim Tebow do that. But, at the end of the day, you need a guy who's a pure passer like Wentz, who has a cannon and can make plays from the pocket. Yep. That's, you know, that, that's, that's my belief in that. But let me shift to this now. NBA, uh, you're in California. How big of a deal are the Los Angeles Lakers over there? Um, well, as a kid growing up, I was a Kings fan, but there seemed to be a ton of Laker fans, even though we're closer to the Kings, and it would always piss me off. I'd be like, how the hell are you a Laker fan when that's down in L.A. and we got Sacramento? Um, there's quite a bit. Yeah. There's especially now too. There's like a lot of bandwagon people. I feel like. Especially, especially with, uh, you know, the addition of LeBron James, obviously that's going to add a lot of people coming out of of nowhere. Uh, so the Lakers have made some crazy off season moves. And by me crazy is just, you know, the fact that they're so loaded with talent, you know, Dennis Schroeder, Mark Gasol, you know, Montrez Harrell, who they snatched away from the Clippers. Uh, this Lakers squad looks to be the best squad that LeBron's ever that's ever has ever had. Do you think it's a lock that the Lakers repeat this coming season? It seems to me. I the one thing that's so confusing about the NBA to me is that, like in the NFL, you have some stacked teams, but overall, I feel like the the whole deck isn't stacked to one side Correct. as it is with the NBA. Like the NBA is crazy to me how. You have all these, like, super teams. And then you have all these other teams where I don't know anyone on the whole team. You know, it's just oh, – yeah. that's such a weird thing to me. And L.A. certainly seems like they got one of those stack-the-deck, like, dream all-star teams right now. Uh, just from an outsider, I'm not the biggest basketball fan, nor do I know a ton. But just from my perspective, that's what it seems. Now, is – is so is California – like, are the Warriors – a bigger thing than the Los Angeles Lakers in the middle of their own dynasty, in your opinion? Or was it something that, like you said, there's a lot of bandwagons coming in and they were just along for that run, that brief run that yeah, they had? Yeah, it seemed like when they are having that run, there was Golden State fans everywhere. And now I never see them. It's just no one was a Golden State fan growing up. Like, nobody. So that's interesting. Uh <laughs> People yeah. are funny. Yeah, people people are very funny. You know, after I think it was about a week later. So Tom Brady, I'm a huge Pats fan, so I watch. Uh, I you know follow the news. So when Brady announced that he was leaving, he uh, about a week later started seeing. I I kid you not, Tampa Bay Buccaneer shirts coming out. I'm like, okay, well they're coming out. They're coming out of nowhere, and yep. uh, I I always thought it was funny. Same thing here uh, in Texas. We you know when the Astros won the World Series. Uh, you know, I just started seeing a bunch of Astros fans coming out of nowhere. And I'm like, where are these people coming from, man? It's, it's, 
it's insane. So pe- people are funny when it comes to that, to that uh, yes. sense of that. So uh, the, the Kings, have you paid, been paying attention to uh, any other moves going on or maybe last season? Did you occasionally on, watch any of the games? I occasionally did, but honestly, I, I really fell off the Kings bandwagon. So I was like the biggest Kings fan as a kid. Okay. And then it seemed like systematically they would get rid of like my favorite players, like, year after year after year after year and then finally like i like snapped like i'm just like screw the kings this and that a couple years later i come around i'm like okay you know now that i'm older more mature there's just it's a business you know this and that making business decisions but um i don't know i never have the highest hopes i don't know what's going on it does it does seem like the city and the franchise wants to win you know like they just built an awesome like mega arena in downtown sacramento uh it seems like they're revamping their roster they're trying to so i hope the best for them i mean i used to be a huge kings fan now <laughs> kind of like uh but i hope the best for them do you uh, get a chance to see De'Aaron fox play by any chance yeah he was a stud yeah, he was stud. Uh, so it's out. He wasn't on the team yet, but um, a few years ago, a bunch of the Kings, uh, like Boogie Cousins or whatever, yeah. and a, a bunch of those guys came into the gym and did like an MMA workout. That was pretty cool. Um, it's crazy. I will say it's crazy how athletic those guys are on the court, but like you get them on the mats and they, they don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, you know what I mean? So that was uh, that was pretty funny, but a couple of them. Like uh oh, and it was when Rayshon Rondo was on the team too, actually, because oh, okay. he came in, he sat next to me and was like touching me, and I'm like, who is this guy? And I'm like looking, and I'm like, looks like Rayshon Rondo or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> do you get to roll with nothing. them? No, they just uh they all like hit the bags and uh Faber like was showing them how to punch and like all that stuff. That's 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 so phenomenal. Did you get any any other like famous people rolling around to your gym? Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird i he didn't make an announcement about it or nothing they just all started showing up <laughs> jesus well, that that's always fun De'Aaron fox is a stud um you know yes. hoping the best for the kings now uh 2021 around the corner what are you looking forward to the most tyler dude i'm looking forward to uh getting back to fighting okay. it, it feels almost so foreign being in there at this point because i haven't fought since october of, yeah. of uh 19 yeah so it's just such a weird feeling like thought process of getting back in there but i'm super excited for it once i put in like the the super hard work of fight camp to build off of all the improvements i've made this year uh that'll be that'll be great and just winning that million dollars and uh and totally shocking everyone that'll be that'll be awesome absolutely now uh next year um do you keep uh do you keep tabs on the ufc or bellator or any of that good stuff yeah i still keep tabs on them. i mean the ufc's on tv you know I mean, I'm not like the biggest fight fan okay. either, to be honest, but okay. I, I keep tabs pretty good. Uh, did, you, did you see that uh, Conor McGregor versus uh, Dustin Poirier uh, fight announcement? Yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome. I love that they're doing that. I think so, too. Uh, who do you have winning this fight? Because I've talked to a lot of people and I tell myself, and I've, I've watched this, I'm an you know, avid fan of it. Um, you know, Dustin, I like Dustin. I feel like he's got a shot, a legit shot to win this fight. Yeah, uh, he does. Do you okay? So, because a lot of people are telling me that there's no way, there's no way, like that's, that Connor's gonna smoke him, and and then you know that it's a hundred percent fact certain that Connor's gonna be able to win this fight. So it shocked me. It, it's really shocked me a lot. Uh, I feel like this fight's gonna be very competitive. I don't mm-hmm. know who's gonna win this fight. Uh, I wouldn't. I seriously don't know who's gonna win this fight. Just because I wouldn't bet any money on it. Because how could you count? How could you count Dustin Poirier out? Uh, so, no. You agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Poi has got a huge shot. Um, I do think that Connor will win for the fact that okay. if you look at historically rematches, typically the guy who won first wins yeah. the second time as well. Typically, not always. Yeah. But uh, so I got Connor winning, but I think it's gonna be a dog fight. Um, gosh, we'll see. It's just, it's just so crazy thinking about these matchups, and you know, even though it happened so long ago it's a completely different fight now. Like I, I can't even imagine Poya getting finished like that ever again. I think he's so, he's so polished and well-versed now. Like 
I'm just excited for that fight. Definitely. Uh, Max Hall is in a fight, Calvin Cater, the week before. Uh, you know, Ooh. could you offer any insights on that one? Dude, that is a crazy fight. Like, Calvin Cater has flown under the radar. Yeah. So he beat my teammate in his UFC debut. And when I watched that fight, I'm like, dude, this guy's legit. And, uh, dude, he could beat Max. Like, he's got such a good double jab cross. He's so long. And Holloway's long, too. And Holloway has such crisp boxing. Like, I love that Holloway doesn't put everything into every shot. And he just, he's just like real calculated with the shots. But, dude, I can see Calvin possibly pulling an upset here winning that fight definitely i wouldn't consider an up i to a lot of fans it would consider an upset but i agree with you i think calvin cater's such a talented guy and mm -hmm. phenomenal and i do agree he's flown uh under the radar a lot when it comes to that um so real quick be be before we end this um going back uh going back to your mma grounds is there uh you know a specific teammate that you really just absolutely enjoy training with somebody that you really have enjoyed or someone that's just been such a great uh, role model in the sport of fighting to you besides you right yeah man I could go on about that for so long because the great thing about my team is yeah. how many guys and how many resources we have you know like when I first got there a guy named Vince Murdoch on our team he just fought in the contender series yeah uh, stud he like really took me under his wing and like made it his mission to like help me like bring me up within the team. And, you know, you had guys like Eric Sanchez that, that kind of did the same for yeah. me and uh, guys like Andre Peely and Anthony Avila that like really helped me out. And like, I enjoy working with all those guys. I enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed working with Chad a ton. I love Chad, like as a person, as a teammate. And then, uh, you know, things have definitely changed on the team. Like, you know, Chad's gone and, roles have kind of shifted a little bit but uh i love working with clay having clay in the room like a positive guy yeah. i love having sage in the room i don't get to work with him because he's so big yeah but uh i just love having that guy in the room i mean like i said i could go on and on and on right now everyone on the team is awesome, awesome. everyone rubs off on each other and it's just a great environment and uh it's just it's just a blessing that i even have those resources at my disposal what can what is another goal besides winning that million dollars for PFL in the sport of fighting, uh, Tyler? Man, in the sport of fighting, that's it. It's just to make a bunch of money and and yeah. and just uh, when people do think about me solely for fighting, is that I was a guy who went in there and gave it one hundred ten percent every single time. Like, never will be an easy fight. I will never give up or you know, ever show an ounce of quit. It's just not in me. It's just not who I am. And, and that's the mark that I want to leave fighting. And I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I barely scratched the surface. I mean, I'm 29 years old and I finally made the breakthrough as fine as far as signing with PFL and going to be making great money here. So I just want to make as much money as I can use that money to some more like business ventures and like spend my money responsibly. And, uh, that, that's it. Awesome. Any, anything else you want to say, Tyler, uh, for the audience before uh, you sign out? Um, there's a lot of things. Uh, yeah. How about it, man? <laughs> stay positive through this really crappy and weird time. Uh, don't be a freaking mask social justice warrior. If you want to wear a mask, great. Good for you. If someone doesn't want to, Worry about your own self yeah. and, uh, you know, unpopular opinion there, but people just need to quit worrying about what other freaking people doing and focus on them. If you're scared, stay home. If, yeah. uh, if you're not go about your day and, uh, fuck governor Newsom and anyone else <laughs> that inhibits people from, from, uh, running their essential business to pay their essential bills. So that's all I got there. I think it's all crock of shit and pisses me off. Awesome. And where can people uh, follow you or find you online, uh, Tyler? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just Tyler Diamond. And uh, that's where I be. And I'm, I'm pretty active on all of it. I love it. So. Awesome. I'm going to have the, those accounts linked in the description below. 
Tyler, thank you for joining us on the show today, man. It's such an honor. Fantastic. Thank you. Heck yeah. Thanks, dude. I enjoyed it. And uh, I'll have to catch up with you after uh, I win a couple fights with PFL and then end up winning the, winning the mill or something. Absolutely. Look forward to And uh, to be honest with you, if anyone under uh, like underlooks you going into that uh that that'd be a very huge mistake everyone needs to watch out for tyler diamond thank you for coming on the show again to all my audience thank you for tuning in i'll catch you later guys goodbye